Welcome to the First Row Sports Show with your host, Darnell Duff. Pops back in, shot top of the slot, Jaconi! Big rebound! They score! The Dolphin Kings in double overtime win it tonight! He's on Twitter at It's the Duffy One. The Kings on a breakaway, it's Jaconi! Back in, top bar! He scores! want sports and that's exactly what this show is going to offer it includes interviews with athletes from all around the sporting world and as a cherry on top a ton of fun facts for you to enjoy so kick back grab a drink and enjoy the first row sports show on your favorite device 24 7 welcome back to the first row sports show as the weather takes a turn for the best and now i guess what some of us are thinking including myself Golf season, when will it start? Of course, that's a little bit of a question mark at this time, but understandably so because safety, that's the first and foremost thing. It should be on everybody's mind. So I hope you continue to be safe during a time where we're dealing with a pandemic. And I also want to pass off my sincere condolences for all of the families affected by the tragedy in Nova Scotia this past weekend. Uh, I still can't, you know, come to grasp in terms uh, with what happened in Canada's largest mass killing. So my sincere condolences to all of the families affected. I know they're doing a virtual vigil to pay homage to all of the fallen residents of Nova Scotia. There was an RCMP officer, a teacher, a young lady. So my sincere condolences to all the families affected by this horrible tragedy in Nova Scotia this past weekend. As the first row sports show rolls on, though, we will turn the page uh, after that tragedy and we'll be chatting with Skylar Park, a very interesting story about Skyler. She's from Winnipeg, Manitoba. She qualified to take part in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics in Taekwondo in the ladies event. Now that event has been postponed until next year. However, I do have good news. She doesn't have to go through the whole qualification process again. So she knows she's going to be representing the country. Those plans have just been put on pause until next year in 2021. And just a wonderful family story about the whole Park family. We'll have more on that in just a few minutes. And then we'll take a quick break, a very quick break, just to let you know you're listening to the First Row Sports Show. And when we come back, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN, Dennis Bayak. He's been in the broadcasting game for a long time. He was the voice of the Flin Flon Bombers of the Western Canada Hockey League Back in 1970, he started his NHL gig, his first NHL gig, so to speak, came in 1995 with the Edmonton Oilers, my favorite team. Yes, in case you didn't know that, my favorite NHL team is the Edmonton Oilers. And let's just run down favorite teams just uh, for the sake of doing that. So favorite NHL team, Oilers, favorite NBA team, why not? The Toronto Raptors, NBA champions, favorite baseball team is the Toronto Blue Jays. Favorite NFL team? Not sure if I have one. I, I like Tom Brady, though. Um, I know pr- probably some people are thinking maybe that's a little bit of a, a bandwagon scenario, but I do really enjoy Tom Brady, so I'm going to have to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now. Not for the fact that I've always enjoyed the Buccaneers, but I like Tom Brady, and now Rob Gronkowski in some breaking news has released he's coming out of retirement. He uh, has told Bill Belichick and the Patriots that he wanted to come back but he wanted to play with Tom Brady. Brady signed a two-year mega deal, $50 million with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rob Gronkowski said, okay, I want to try and win another Super Bowl. So he comes out of retirement to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that team uh, has become a lot better in the offseason. No doubt about that as they try to get back to the promised land. So we'll be joined by the, as I mentioned, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, Dennis Beck. As the first row sports show rolls on, thank you so much for tuning in. It's should be another fun one so buckle up i'll take you on a journey and that journey starts right now you're listening to the first row sports show with darnell duff I'm now joined by Skylar Park right here on the First Row Sports Show. Skylar, thank you so much for taking the time uh, out of your day to chat with me. I understand it's been a busy time for you and perhaps uh, maybe a little bit of a disappointing time, but uh, we'll get to that in just a bit. But uh, how are things going as we try to uh, adapt to the new normal with this whole uh, COVID-19 pandemic going on? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, uh, Just like everyone else, uh, I think a lot of things are changing and no one quite knows what's going on, but we're just trying to stay positive. Um, We're 
still continuing to train as best as we can from home and just making sure uh, to do our part in flattening the curve and staying home, washing our hands, doing things like that. So, yeah, things have been good. Skylar Park of Winnipeg, Manitoba. And, uh, Skylar, congratulations on qualifying for the Tokyo Olympic Games. Understandably, you were super excited to make your Olympic debut this summer. That The Games have now been uh, postponed until next summer. So, a uh, big congratulations. Uh, but before we get to that, let's uh, sort of get to the beginning first. And for the people who don't know, Skylar's a gold medalist on the top taekwondo world stage before we get to that when did you start your journey like when did you first learn to do the sport that clearly you're a world gold medalist at and continue to do big things on the biggest stages yeah so i actually started taekwondo basically as soon as i could walk um it's something that my whole family does uh it's a korean martial art my dad and his family come from korea so um, they came to Canada and they opened up a Taekwondo school um, in 1993. So my whole family does it. Um, there's 16 black belts in my family, so it's just kind of what we do. So I was kind of just born into the sport and fell in love with it from the beginning. And yeah, it just kind of took off from there. 16 black belts in one family. <laughs> that's absolutely, <Yes. laughs> that, like, that's just crazy to think of. And Jay Park, yeah. uh, your father and also your coach, and as you mentioned, he's a grandmaster as well. And, uh, so obviously, with him being a coach, but also your your father how do you separate him being your father and maybe trying to push you and you know not get frustrated at him in your home life opposed to maybe when he's trying to push you that much harder when you're in the gym working out and you know preparing for your next big match yeah so I think it is a blessing and I think um I've always grown up with him being my coach and being my teacher so I think um we have a really strong relationship as father daughter and both as coach and athlete so um, his father-daughter and our relationship is super strong, and as coach and athlete, as we develop and grow and continue to reach new heights in the sport, and I think we're also developing um, and learning together. Um, so, but yeah, I think it's all that we've ever known. So I think we don't try and differentiate it too much. I think it's kind of all blended together just because that's how it's been since I was little. But yeah, I'm super grateful that I have someone in my chair who has my best interest always and who will never give up on me and just knows me better than anyone else. So you mentioned you grew up into Taekwondo with your, your family being a big part of it, and now Jay Park is obviously your father and your coach. But when, when you first got into it, was it something that you thought you were going to be so passionate about with all the family ties, or is it something that you were just... Because I know kids these days, they just sort of do things that uh, sort of pass the time and get through the day. Was it something like that for you, or did you honestly feel that you would become you know quite passionate about this and try and further it in your career as a young kid? Yeah, well, I started out, it was, it was, I did the martial arts aspect, so there's the martial arts aspect, and then the more Olympic sport kind of aspect, um, so I think at the beginning, it was just fun, because my whole family did it, and that's where we, like, everyone was always at the academy training, and just doing Taekwondo together, and that's just what we did, so I think I just loved it, because I was spending every day with my entire family, my cousins, my brothers, my uncles, my aunts, so that's kind of how it started, and then I don't remember when, but for as long as I can remember, I've had a dream of representing Canada winning a gold medal at the Olympics. So I think it's always been something that I've wanted to do. I started competing. Um, I think my first competition was when I was two years old. So yeah, it's just kind of grown from there. So last December at a tournament in Moscow, you had the chance to lock up a spot and you did just that when a competitor of Spain sort of came up to you and how it sort of needed it to work. You needed one of the other competitors to lose that match. They did. So they told you they lost the match. And that locked up your spot in the Tokyo Games. You mentioned as we're joined by Skylar Park, an Olympian will take part in the 2021 Games in Tokyo. So when you achieved your goal and realized that you were going to get the chance to represent your country, that lifelong dream, what was going through your mind back at that tournament in Moscow? Yeah, so it was kind of um, a little bit of a different way than I'd always kind of pictured qualifying for the Olympics. But it was kind of we were kind of in the middle of a competition, so. Um, I was still fighting, I was still competing um, when I found out, so I think I wasn't really able to kind of fully under, or like realize the fact that I had qualified. I obviously knew because um, we had figured out all the points uh, beforehand, so it was based on the ranking. So I had to reach um, a certain stage in the competition, and depending on whether, it just depended how everyone kind of measured up. So um, I found out while I was in the middle of competing, so I still had another match or two matches to go after 
um, I found out. So I was still focused on the competition and trying to win the competition. So I think once the competition ended, then I was able to kind of fully realize that I had actually done it and kind of internalize it. So you said you were trying to focus 100%, but was it tough at the same time to, um, you know, put that 100% focus going in? Because you knew going into the event, your your opportunity, you had the chance to qualify for the Olympics, and that was your goal. And when you did, uh, with still a couple matches left to go, was it tough to give that 100% focus to the upcoming matches? Or was it something that you were just, you know, sort of born to do, and you prepared to win that event? Yeah, no, for sure. I was um, 100% focused on still competing and trying to win that event. Um, it was a Grand Prix final, so it's one of the biggest events in Taekwondo. So um, I'd actually reached the semifinals of that event. So just trying to get to the top of the podium was always focused on at that point. And after knowing that I had qualified and secured that spot, it gave me even more freedom to just go there and fight and see what happened because I wasn't trying to still make that spot and there was no kind of pressure on me to do that so I already had my Olympic spot I was just trying to go with it. Joined by Skylar Park of Winnipeg, Manitoba, she's set to represent the country at next year's postponed Tokyo Games. She'll be uh, taking part in Taekwondo. So let's go back a little bit. Uh, before you qualified for the Olympics in 2016, taking part in the World Taekwondo Junior Championships in the 59-kilogram category, you won a gold medal. That was one of the major gold medals you've achieved in your career. In in all events, you have 21 gold medals and 31 total medals. So a lot of medals in your in your resume in your trophy cabinet, but uh, go back to that event in 2016. That must have been a pretty special uh, feeling for you as a young lady to win gold on the world stage. Yeah, that was um, one of the biggest moments in my career and a really defining moment um, where I first kind of came onto the world scene. So um, it was amazing to be there and win the junior world championships on home soil. It was in front of BC, so I had my whole family in the crowd, and um, yeah, it was just a big defining moment for me and kind of gave me confidence um, after that year kind of transitioning into the senior division. And then in the Pan American Championships back in 2018, you won a gold and a bronze in 2016. And then the Pan American Games, you won a silver in the 2019. But I want I want to talk a little bit more about the family. Your brothers as well are Canadian. Um, they're carded by Canadian uh, athletes, which means they can benefit as well as yourself from services offered at the Canadian Sports Centre Manitoba, which is in Winnipeg, your hometown. So that's uh, pretty convenient. But tell me about that mm-hmm. experience on a level which is a allowed you to, you know, you, not only you, but your brothers also to train at, uh, you know, at the highest of levels and prepare for big events that will be coming up in the future? Yeah, so my brothers are both, um, I have two younger brothers, they're both my training partners, um, so we're together all day, every day training, um, and they're also on the national team, so we have, um, have been working with the Canadian Sports Centre, I've been working with them since 2016, um, so yeah, they've been a huge help, and um, in our success and whether it's strength and conditioning, nutrition, uh, sports science or sports psychology. Um, yeah, so we work with them closely and they've helped us develop as athletes and really added to our success. And Joined by Skylar Park of Winnipeg, Manitoba, she's going to represent the country at the Taekwondo event next year at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021, taking the time to chat today. And uh, growing up with your family, living in the same home, and now training as you continue to grow up, the, the bond must, between the Park family, you guys must be such a tight-knit family, and that bond must be just so amazing. Yeah, it is for sure, and I'm super um, grateful to be able to be doing this with my family. So when I'm traveling to competitions, I'm always surrounded by family. So it's kind of like you always have a piece of home with you, and you always have people with your best interests. Um, so I think it's great, and I'm so grateful to be so close with my family and be able to experience all these amazing things with them by my side. How often do you work out? Like, how, how hard do you train? Do you, do you, is, is a day off even a thing for Skylar Park, or is it pretty much seven days a week throughout the year? Like, do you actually get a day off, or are you just continually doing what you love to make sure you're in the best shape and uh, best competition level you exactly can be? No, there are, we do have a day off uh, just to make sure for proper recovery, uh, which is super important. So um, we do take those days and appreciate them when they come around. But, no, we are training um, generally three times a day. Um, with me, my brothers, uh, one of them is still in high school, so he, um, kind of trains with us whenever he can, but yeah, no, it's been great to have them especially, so we can kind of train whenever we need to, and our schedule can kind of work around each other, um, because we're just at home together all the time, especially now, 
um, being stuck at home, and no one's really going anywhere. We're able to train even more together. Yeah, so so talk more about that with COVID-19 grappling the sports world and really everything around the globe, uh, sporting facilities being shut down and now forcing, it's forced, you know, people to do their workouts at home and that sorts of thing. Has that changed at all how you do train at all, or do you have, you know, the adequate facilities at your home to do exactly what is needed? Um, it still has changed a little, um, just based on the intensity um, of our workouts, because um, with the Olympics being postponed, now we're training on a different timeline than we previously were when we were training for the Olympics in uh, three months. So, um, but yeah, we're still trying to train as best as we can. Um, we do have a, we have dedicated our whole lives to Taekwondo and reaching the highest level. So we do have a gym um, in our basement and then we do own a gym in Winnipeg. So um, it's empty right now, unfortunately, but um, so yeah, we are able to train there if we needed to, but we've done most of our training at home in our basement together. So it's been great. Skylar Park of Winnipeg, Manitoba, she's set to represent the country at next year's Olympics in Tokyo. A fantastic achievement, no doubt about that for Skylar, a young woman, I guess we can say now. And but last month when it was found out that the Olympics were going to be not canceled, postponed until next year after so many years of preparing to get the chance to take part in your first Olympic, make your debut. It was expected to be later this summer. Uh, was it a disappointing? Was it a disappointment to find out that? Uh, the event you had worked so hard for was being postponed for one more year? I think at the beginning it was disappointing. Um, we found out that first we found out that the COC um, had made a statement that they wouldn't send uh, the Canadian athletes to the Olympics if it were to be held this summer. So um, that was kind of scary. We had hoped that the IOC um, would make the right decision and postpone the games. But um, in those two days in between when the Team Canada kind of made their announcement and the IOC did, um, it was just kind of like your greatest fear was that the Olympic Games would still continue on in the summer and Canada wouldn't be there. So I think that was a little bit tough. Um, it was never how I'd imagined my first Olympic experience would go. But um, no, I'm super proud of Team Canada for taking a stand and super thankful for them putting the athletes health at first. Um, and then after once the IOC postponed the Games, it's obviously a little bit disappointing and uh, we were preparing for the games come this summer, but um, I think in the end, it's great. Um, a year gives me much more time to prepare. I'm a, one of the younger athletes, so um, yeah, I'll be even better and stronger and faster, hopefully, um, in a year's time. So you mentioned one more year to prepare for yourself and all other athletes, but if the Olympics were to get, you know, take place this summer as they're not, uh, but would you have been ready for it to, you know, make a run for a medal? Because I understand that you, you know, a lot of people were thinking of you as a medal contender. Did you see yourself as a medal contender as a, as a young lady? And would you have been ready if the event were to be held in a few months' time? No, for sure. The goal was still always um, the top of the podium in Tokyo. And I think we would have definitely been ready um, come this summer to try and make that into reality. But now um, this gives us just even more time to prepare and um, to kind of improve upon things that we might not have had time to do um, have the Olympics been this summer. So, uh, yeah, super exciting that we have another year to get ready for that. 16 members of the Park family are black belts. That is incredible. Jay Park is Skylar Park's father and coach. He is a grandmaster black belt as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat today, Skylar. So I guess in the next year, what what's the main focus for you? Like, I'm sure you're pretty honed in your craft on what it takes to compete at the highest of levels. But take me into a day for Skylar Park. Like, when you get up, do you have a like a predetermined breakfast sort of what's your routine throughout the day and what you expect to go through over the next year to prepare for next uh, summer's games yeah so I think right now all athletes and just everyone around the world doesn't quite know what exactly is going to be happening um, at the moment so the re routine right now is a little bit different than it normally is um, we're not sure what this next year will bring so we're just trying to make the best out of the situation but um, yeah we typically We'll wake up and I'll train in the morning with my brothers in our basement with my with my dad, and then we'll have some lunch, train again in the afternoon, um, get some work done, and then we'll train again in the evening. So we're trying to keep it as consistent as possible and as much like it was before as we can just to kind of keep that normalcy. So a tiring day, no doubt about it, uh, pretty much seven days a week for Skylar Park of Winnipeg, Manitoba, getting set to represent the country at next year's Tokyo Games in 2021. Uh, I know it's been a family affair since day one for the Park family when it comes to uh, Taekwondo. Do you expect, is it going to be that same thing 
come Tokyo? Like, is the whole family planning on, you know, booking their tickets and uh, traveling? Of course, Jay, your your coach, but uh, the brothers, mom, everything planning on making their way to Tokyo? Yes, it definitely has been a huge family affair since the very beginning, and um, it continues to be. So my whole family had plans of attending Tokyo this summer, so uh, those plans have changed a little bit. Hopefully, they'll all be able to attend again um, come next summer. My my brothers and my mom uh, will be there for sure, and then hopefully other members of my family are looking to come as well, so that'll be exciting. And I understand your brothers were, uh, you know, com- um, practicing and training to compete at a pretty big event that would have taken place back in March. Of course, that event was uh, postponed. Can you go into more details of that a little bit here? Yeah, so we've all been um, training. We had the Pan Am Championship um, that were supposed to take place um, in June, and we had the qualifiers for Canada in March. So we were all preparing for that. Um, unfortunately, all those events have been canceled. Um but no, but we're still just training. We're not quite sure when our next events will be, but uh, we're just trying to stay positive and keep training and keep improving and just kind of take it day by day. Keep on keeping on, no doubt about that, Skyler Park, as, yes. she pre- <laughs> as she prepares for the 2021 Olympics, which will take place next summer in Tokyo after this year's games were postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And just rolling on with the whole family aspect, it, it must be a driving force. You know, if you have a tough day or a tough week, whatever it be, you have the family that are right by your side. They know what you're going through because they have that same tough training regiment as you but you know they're always by your side and they're always pushing you to be the best because they know when you're at your best you clearly can be the best in the world yeah it's been super helpful to have them here through everything um they go with me through training they're with me at home so they go through um all the emotions and everything with me um so especially during this time um i know it's kind of hard to keep motivated for a lot of people so um just to have each other during this time and to keep each other motivated and keep each other um, keep each other going basically has been super helpful and I know a lot of athletes are by themselves training which makes it difficult so I'm super uh, lucky to have both my brothers and my coach with me. Skylar Park of Winnipeg, Manitoba taking the time to chat today. Skylar, I really do appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Uh, congratulations on all your accomplishments in the past. Congratulations on qualifying for the Olympics. I look forward to uh, chatting with you after you win a gold medal. Uh, continue to stay safe, work hard, and I know uh, you're going to do this country very proud come next July. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, that was Skylar Park of Winnipeg, Manitoba. She was getting set to represent the province at the Tokyo Olympics, which were set to take part this summer. However, the COVID-19 pandemic is going on. Everybody wants the safety. That's what matters right now. Everyone needs to stay safe. So that event will take place, but it's been postponed for one year. Skylar doesn't have to go through the qualification process. So she will be heading along with her family, her long list of family members, who are experts when it comes to the field of taekwondo and martial arts will be heading to Tokyo for the 2021 Summer Olympics in Tokyo coming up next year. So that's really exciting for Skylar Park and her entire family. And now we're going to switch things up and go onto the ice. Well, not really. We're not going to go onto the ice, but we're going to chat with a man who's up in the booth and he's been so for 50 years at least. Started in 1970 broadcasting for the Flin Flon Bombers in the Western Canada Hockey League. He's been in the Western Hockey League and as I mentioned, he started with the Flin Flon Bombers. He's gone through the Edmonton Oilers in 1995. He's been in Toronto the rebirth of the Winnipeg Jets 2.0 came back in 2011-2012 season. Dennis Bayak was the voice for that campaign. He's been the voice of the Jets since the rebirth. They came back to Winnipeg, Manitoba. What a ride it has been on Dennis Bayak, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN. Well, good news for you. He's joining the First Row Sports Show right here, right now. Hey, you're tuned into the First Row Sports Show. Now joined by the voice of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN, Dennis Bayak. Dennis, thank you so much for taking the time. The NHL clearly in a standstill, as really the whole world is, but I know you're still in Winnipeg right now, so thank you so much for taking the time to join the program today. And uh, I guess how are things going uh, in the last little while for yourself? Well, like everybody else, Darnell, I think just sitting watching the news and uh, listening to our health experts and uh, trying to do what's best for everybody so that uh, we can get this pandemic under control as quickly as possible. And not just from a sporting standpoint, I mean, a sporting standpoint, getting back to 
to normal would mean that that everything else is back to normal. So uh, I think first and foremost, the health of everyone is a concern right now. And, uh, you know, I will take the chance right now for all my friends and family back uh, in that Dauphin area, Winnipegosis and and, uh, the area where I grew up, certainly wishing everybody the best here, stay safe and uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, sooner than later, uh, we'll be back to some form of normalcy. So let's talk about growing up in small town Winnipegosis, joined by the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, Dennis Bayak. Uh, Winnipegosis is a very small place, just about 35 minutes away from Dauphin, Manitoba. But uh, what was it like growing up in a small town of Winnipegosis now that you've traveled and, you know, been in the biggest of cities in Canada, specifically one of them was in Toronto, now the voice of the Winnipeg Jets? Well, we'll even take it back a little bit further. I grew up on a farm uh, about eight or nine kilometers uh, from Winnipegosis, kind of in between Fork River and Winnipegosis in a little area called uh, Rice Lake. So uh, we had the community hall, which was a half a mile uh, from our place. Uh, there was the country school that, uh, that we attended uh, when we were kids before we went on to Winnipegosis and, and that. So uh, the farm life was terrific. Uh, the family life uh, was terrific. Lots of cousins and, and lots of relatives around to uh, to celebrate birthdays and holidays and and everything else with. So uh, lots of work on the farm, but it was fun. And uh, but yeah, it was quite a change from there. Uh, you know, on to Flin Flon, and then every city I seemed to go to got a little bit bigger. You know, Victoria, then Saskatoon, and and on to Seattle, and then Toronto, and now back to Winnipeg here. So. Uh, Edmonton in between there as well. So uh, it's been a great run, but, uh, you know, I certainly still remember, uh, you know, very, very vividly growing up on the farm and the farm work and, and everything that was involved. And uh, that that area of Manitoba will uh, will always be very special to me. So let's go back some 50 years, joined by the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, Dennis Bayak on TSN. Back in 1970, you began your broadcasting career at CFAR, a place where I actually worked as well in Flin Flon, Manitoba. You were the voice of the Bombers of the Western Canada Hockey League. Like You go back to that time and, you know, did, did you expect to be one of the mainstays voices in the NHL now? Well, well, I was seven years old when I started there, so if you're going to mention the 50 years, <laughs> that's going back a long way. No, it was, uh, you know what, it was my first job in radio, and I think we always remember uh, where our first uh, job in radio or whatever your job is. I think we all remember our first job, so uh, that will always be uh, special for me up there as well, and, and that's uh, it's different how the different avenues go. Uh, that's where I met Patty Ginnell who was the uh, coach and general manager of the Flin Flon Bombers. And uh, it was great times up there. It was a terrific league. It was uh, a much older league than what it is now, the Western Hockey League. And you're right, it did start off the Western Canada Hockey League before it eventually flipped to to just the WHL, the Western Hockey League. But, uh, you know, it was right after the Bobby Clark, Reggie Leach era. But, uh, you know, Blaine Stoughton was up there when I was there. Chuck Arneson, Wayne Byanchin. I mean, I could go on and on with, uh, you know, some of the great players that uh, that came out of there and, and went on to pro careers and, and very good pro careers. But uh, uh, as I moved on from there to Saskatoon, Patty Ginnell moved from there and bought the Victoria Cougars. And that's how I ended up in Victoria. After a couple of years in Saskatoon, Patty got a hold of me and said, hey, would you come out to uh, Victoria? So uh, off I went. Go west, young man, go west. And uh, and then it just kind of evolved from there. But, uh, you know, it was the uh, the start in radio where you do everything. I mean, you're a DJ, you do news, you do sports, uh, you write commercials, you read commercials, uh, you do everything that uh, that's necessary. So... Uh, it was a fun start. Things have changed now. I think everything's probably a little more specialized now than what it was back then. But, uh, you know, again, met a lot of good people in Flin Flon. Uh, and that's, I think, when all is said and done, uh, I, I think it is about the people that we meet along the way. No doubt about it. Joined by the voice of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN, Dennis Bayak. And Dennis, so still take me down that road. Why radio? Like, why broadcasting? You decided as literally a young kid, just, you know, a couple years older than starting kindergarten. Why radio? Why did you want to, you know, go down that road? Well, you know what? Uh, I really did enjoy radio uh, right from the time that I was uh, was growing up. Uh, I mean, we listened to CKDM uh, regular. I mean, it was on from the first time thing you got up in the morning. You turned the radio on, and and it basically, for the most part, stayed on until until the end of the day. If you were leaving home, you turned it off, and 
and all the other stuff. But for the most part, uh, you know, we listen to the radio. That's where you got your news from. That's where you got your music from. Uh, that's where you got your sports from. I mean, I remember making sure that before I ran out to the bus, uh, you know, I listened to the sports that, uh, that, that came on at 8 o'clock in the 8 o'clock package. And, you know, if I was home on the weekends, it was... It was listening to the noon sports, and that's where you got your NHL updates and uh, and everything else. Um, I mean, the television was there, but radio was still your your main source of, of information. And and uh, you know, at a very young age, I fell in love with radio. And uh, as I went on to high school and uh, you know got involved in drama and things like that, uh, one of the adjudicators one year said, uh, "Have you ever thought about getting into radio?" And and I had. And uh, that kind of got the ball rolling, and I kind of went from there and and uh, took a course in Winnipeg and uh, ended up in Flin Flon. So it's been a it's been a long winding road, but an absolute uh, enjoyable road that uh, that I've taken. But radio's always been special to me. The now voice of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN, Dennis Bag, taking the time to chat today. Now with the Winnipeg Jets, but his journey in the NHL started back in 1995 with the Edmonton Oilers on CFRN TV. Talk to me about that year and. Uh, getting your first gig in the NHL like how how pumped up were you after all the years of you know going through that Western Hockey League grind the Western Canada Hockey League grind you were finally getting your chance at the big show the National Hockey League well you know what's funny Darnell I you know as a kid growing up uh, my brother and I would play road hockey or or you know with uh, in the yard uh, so it wasn't exactly on a road but it was in the yard and and I was the goaltender and the play-by-play guy and and uh, we'd play for hours. And, and so I always had this dream of, of being an NHL broadcaster. And then when I went to Saskatoon, things for the, my second stint in Saskatoon, uh, things kind of took a bit of a turn uh, when I was asked to go and work for the Saskatoon Blades. So I got out of broadcasting for a few years, and, and the NHL dream kind of got put on the back burner for a little while. And then uh, I got back into broadcasting in the Western Hockey League, then had the opportunity to, to go to Seattle. We had chaired the Memorial Cup in, in Saskatoon, which was a great event. Seattle was having the Memorial Cup, had the opportunity to go out there and be involved in that one as well. And then so the, the NHL thing was, was a bit on the back burner at that time. And then I went on to Tri-Cities, and then things changed in the Western Hockey League. And I heard of an opportunity in Edmonton, and someone called me and said, would you get back into broadcasting? And, and I said, absolutely, I would. And, you know, after some discussions with a lot of people and uh, meeting with some of the Edmonton Oilers people and some of the CFRN people, again, uh, there's a long story as to, as to how it all played out and how it all came to pass. But uh, in the end, you know, I had the opportunity to do the Edmonton Oilers on CFRN for a couple of years. So that was my introduction to uh, to the National Hockey League. I had done a couple of uh, exhibition games in Seattle when I was uh, involved with the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, for a couple for four years there. Two as their uh, assistant GM and broadcaster, and then two as general manager. So I got into management of junior hockey for a few years there before I got back into broadcasting. And uh, you know, and then after the Edmonton, the opportunity there was absolutely terrific. I mean, again, you remember your first game. You remember uh, who it was against. Uh, you know, you remember how it went and, and uh, it just kind of went from there, but it was something that, uh, you know, I had dreamed of. So I guess the story there is never give up on, on your dream. And uh, it just took me a little while longer to get there because I had a couple of side things that I needed to get done before I got back to the National Hockey League. But uh, that lasted a couple of years and uh, things changed in the broadcast business as, as we see the rights changed and uh, the opportunity came to go to Toronto. So uh, went from there to Toronto and you know, and then when the opportunity came to come back to Winnipeg, certainly did, and and it went from there. But that's uh, that's kind of where it all started in Edmonton, and and um, I remember the the last game that I did in the old Edmonton Arena before they moved to the new building. Uh, you remember, and you still see people when we go to Edmonton. There's still people who were involved uh, when I was there, and and uh, to get my NHL broadcasting career started. So. Always nice to see familiar faces. Dennis Bayak, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN, also formerly of Winnipeg, Osis, Manitoba. Thank you so much for taking the time, Dennis. And you mentioned, you know, getting out of broadcasting to take a job with the Saskatoon Blades and that NHL dream. When you took that job with the Blades and you got out of broadcasting doing play-by-play, was there ever that fear internally that maybe a job wouldn't open up to get back into broadcasting? Or was that something you weren't really worried about at that time? No, I wasn't. You know what? I've never, 
uh, I've never had the fear of uh, of not working. I've always kind of felt that uh, I would always find a job. It may not be the uh, exact job that I'm looking for. Uh, I may not be in broadcasting, may not be in hockey, but I've I've always you know felt confident in myself that uh, that I would be able to to find a job and and do what I needed to do. Uh, you know, so it just opportunities opened, and and uh, I've always told uh, anybody who's asked uh, or when I do speaking engagements, uh, just go with your heart. Uh, sometimes uh, finances play a part, yes, but sometimes you just need to, to make a decision that, that you think is right. And uh, opportunities cropped up, and, and I've been very fortunate. Uh, when I was in Flint Flon, I got a call from Saskatoon to go there. Uh, when I was in Saskatoon, I got a call to go to Victoria. How I got back in Saskatoon is a long story as well. Uh, then I got asked to go work for the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, then I got asked to go to work for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, then I got asked to go to work for the Tri-City Americans. So I've always, you know, felt comfortable that uh, that something would come up. And uh, in between all of that, there were some other opportunities that I passed on, but uh, I always felt that I was making the right decision. And then uh, the only time that it did become a bit of a a different avenue was uh, was when I got let go in Tri Cities as president and general manager of the Tri City Americans, and that's a couple chapters in my book. Whenever that happens, but you know, but I ended up in Edmonton right after that. So I, I did some work on on getting the job at Edmonton because it was something that I really saw that uh, as as a kid that I dreamed of doing that the opportunity was there. So I went hard after the uh, the NHL job at CFRN at Edmonton, and then uh, got a call to go to Toronto, and uh, got a call to come to Winnipeg. So uh, I've been fortunate, and uh, and it's worked out very well. But uh, uh, the opportunities were always there, and I think that's the key: is is to to grab the opportunities when they come, and uh, and make the best of them. It's a journey that has included many stops, as Dennis Bayak joined here, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets. When he does make a book, it's going to involve many chapters. But let's. <laughs> talk about, I guess, the most recent chapter. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat today, Dennis, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN. It's been nearly a decade since, I guess, the rebirth of the Winnipeg Jets, but you've been here since day number one, starting in the 2011-2012 season. Take me back to game number one at Bell MTS Place. I, I know, I, I, I don't think watching it on TV really does justice, but the atmosphere must have been incredible, and it must have been pretty cool for you to be back for the rebirth of the Winnipeg Jets 2.0, I guess. Well, it really was. I mean, for for a kid growing up, uh, you know, in Manitoba, and the WHA, of course, played a part uh, in Winnipeg uh, in in the hockey lore here and in the hockey history here. So, you know, and then they uh, then they moved to the National Hockey League, and then I moved away and got involved in the Western Hockey League. But still, I mean, it was still the Winnipeg Jets. It was your province, whether it was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, whether it was the Winnipeg Jets. WHA or NHL or, or 2.0 Winnipeg Jets. I mean, it was it was still the province's team and something that the province uh, needed to be very proud of and is very proud of and and uh, and that opportunity. So I'll go back even to the first game we did, which was an exhibition game. Um, you know, I mean, we were uh, on our way to visit some friends in Washington uh, State, and and when I got the call from from TSN, uh, you know, a gentleman that I'd got to know and had done some work for TSM by the name of Paul Graham, who called me and said, look, we're in the negotiation for the rights for the Winnipeg Jets. Would you be interested in going back? And, and uh, we weren't sure what was happening in Toronto. I was doing Toronto Maple Leaf Radio at the time. Uh, there were some changes coming in Toronto as to uh, who owned the rights and who was going to get the rights. So again, opportunity. And, uh, and I said, absolutely, we'd be interested in coming back here. So I'll go back even to the first preseason game that we played. Uh, Brian Engblom uh, was my analyst. And uh, I mean, that's the other part of this. I have, I've had the privilege of working with so many good analysts and so many good people. Uh, you know, that is something that, uh, you know, that, that it's always going to be special as well. But, you know, with Dustin Bufflin's uh, story here the last couple of days, that's when it's, this story's kind of resurfaced. I mean, his big hit uh, six seconds into the game, and then he's in a fight ten seconds into the game. But I remember that game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was a split squad game. Uh, there was a game in Columbus as well. And then the game uh, in Winnipeg, that was our first telecast. 
and we kind of went from there, you know, and then uh, the, what stands out about that opening game as much as anything is, is a, despite the fact that it was October 9th, the weather was absolutely terrific. It was 30 plus degrees. Uh, uh, people were walking to the game in shorts and t-shirts and, and uh, the national media that had come here expecting, I'm not sure what they were expecting, but they obviously didn't check the weather forecast before they got to Winnipeg because they were overdressed expecting some colder weather, which which we didn't have, and uh, I mean that the whole winter was a was a bit of a different winter from uh, from that standpoint. But uh, the atmosphere around the city, uh, around the building, I had an opportunity to go up uh, in a fighter jet. Um, you know, 17 wing here in Winnipeg had given Sarah Lesky and I the opportunity on on the Saturday before the game to go up, and, and I mean that is something that I will never forget. That entire experience. Uh, doing flips and rolls and and uh, and everything else in a fighter jet. So um, I know I'm veering off the story here a little bit, but there's so much that comes back to mind when I get thinking about that opening weekend, and then of course the game itself. And with the Montreal Canadiens here, I mean, there's very much a, a French population here in Winnipeg, as you know, Darnell. And uh, to have the Montreal Canadiens here for the opener was special. And uh, the game didn't go as well, but that was secondary really on that day. And uh, Nick Antropov finally did get the first Winnipeg Jets goal but and then they just kind of went from there but uh, I mean you even go back to the May before that before any of us were were officially hired by uh, by TSN or broadcasters or, or the Winnipeg Jets had their full staff in place whatever just how excited everybody was in May when that news came out that uh, David Thompson Mark Chip and True North had purchased the Atlanta Thrashers and, and the Winnipeg Jets were indeed back in the National Hockey League so uh, terrific times and it's been a terrific run, and it is hard to believe that this is year nine, and and next year will be year ten. Uh, you know, if we can ever get year nine finished here, but uh, it's gone by in a hurry. Dennis Bayak, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, reliving the rebirth 2.0 of the Jets back in the 2011-2012 campaign. No doubt, a historic day in National Hockey League history as well as the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, Dennis Bayak. And when we're talking about season nine, Dennis, it was suspended after 71 games for the Jets, 37-28-6-8 points that's first spot in the wild card uh, eastern western conference wild card now moving forward there's been a lot of talk of maybe the nhl season coming back to a couple central locations with no fans in the stands do you believe that the 2019-2020 campaign will eventually hoist a stanley cup champion at the end of the day well, I think they will do everything that they possibly can to try and complete the season. And again, I'll preface any of this talk about the NHL returning with with we need to, to get to, to some form of normalcy first. And life in general comes before anything in sports. Uh, and that's most important right now is to, is to keep everybody healthy. Those that aren't healthy, get healthy, get them healthy. And and uh, let's get this pandemic in, in a rearview mirror, and uh, and all move on with with our daily lives here. So uh, you know, but but I think the NHL will try and do everything it possibly can. The Winnipeg Jets run a run a terrific run here. It had been a really an up and down season in so many ways uh, for the organization and for the hockey club and things. They were starting to get healthy. They were on a very nice run that started after the All-Star break and the players break in January, and they were going. So going forward here, I, I do think that, that the NHL will try, put it this way, anything is on the table and everything is on the table, and, and they will look at every option that they can to try and, and, and play some games here. And yes, finances are going to play a part in this, there's no question I mean, it's going to affect the bottom line as to whether or not they can complete the season. You know, the 50-50 split as far as the players and the owners are concerned is going to affect the salary cap. Uh, that's going to affect salaries. Uh, so, yes, there's uh, from the monetary end of things, uh, there's lots of reasons to get back playing. But there's also other reasons to get back playing. It's only twice that the National Hockey League has not presented the Stanley Cup. One was all the way back, uh, you know, with the Spanish flu, and they actually in that season had had played five games of the seven game series between Montreal and Seattle and then they just didn't have enough players to finish the series so it got it got dusted and then of course the lockout of 405 where we never saw a Stanley Cup and that's you know that's the darkest you know part of the National Hockey League I think they talk about how important the Stanley Cup is and to not even uh, have a season that year will always 
you know, kind of when you look back at the NHL record books, will always kind of be a, a blank spot when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, going forward here, I, I do think they will try whatever's possible. I mean, it, there's there's five teams in the NHL, Darnell, that uh, have eight home games remaining. That is a lot of revenue to, to defer or give back, leave on the table, however you want to look at it. You know, so, so I do believe they will do whatever they can to try and complete the regular season. Maybe not all 82 games. Winnipeg Jets have four home games left, so maybe that's your barometer right there. Maybe you end up 37 and 37 uh, for a 74-game season, but I do believe they will play some regular season games to try and... If you look at it from a point standpoint, the Jets are in. If you look at it from a percentage winning percentage standpoint, the Jets are squeezed out by like .0001%. Uh, you know, so... Uh, I do expect some some regular season games to be played. Yet I think we can look to to backtrack things. Uh, I mean, there's some studies have been done. Some things have been talked about about starting next season as late as mid November and still being able to get it done where you can present the Stanley Cup by the end of June of 2021. So if you start to backtrack, you probably need maybe six weeks to get a draft done, to get contracts done, to get UFA signed and and the personnel changes that are required. So then you backtrack from there. I mean, there is a feeling that even as late as sometime in July, if they can get a regular season resumed, uh, then they would look at it. But again, uh, this is all based on, on health concerns. Is everybody going to be comfortable going to a game? Are they going to play in front of empty buildings and just have the players and the referees there. Uh, there's been talk that even from a broadcast standpoint, we would call the games off-site. We would not be allowed in the building. So, you know, this will all play itself out eventually. Uh, again, first and foremost, though, is is we need to continue what we're doing here. We've been fortunate in Manitoba that I think we've flattened that curve uh, and done a terrific job. We wait for the updates every day as to, to, to see if they're positive or negative and Fortunately, for the last seven, eight days, uh, for the most part, it's been very positive. So let's keep doing what we're doing to make sure that, uh, that that stays in a positive note. Joined by the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, formerly of Winnipeg Osis, Manitoba, Dennis Bayak. Dennis, just uh, one more question before you, before I let you go. Thank you so much for taking the time. Whether the season does continue and uh, Stanley Cup is awarded this year, the Jets were winners of four straight and holding down to the final wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Or this season just doesn't happen and we get things going in the 2020-2021 campaign, Dustin Bufflin, wherever it goes, will not be with the Winnipeg Jets as that contract was terminated earlier this week. I guess just your thoughts on plain as simple as uh, sort of what was the holdup between the Winnipeg Jets, if you can comment, and Dustin Bufflin. I thought it was it took a little longer than I expected per se, uh, but he is no longer a part of the Winnipeg Jets organization. And how do does the team perhaps plan on getting another player like Dustin Bufflin. He was a guy who played more than 550 games with the Jets. He had more than 350 points. How do you get a guy just like Dustin Bufflin who can score? He can also be a ragdoll defender, and, you know, he's there when the team really needs him. How do you? Uh, how does the organization, if you c- can comment, plan on getting a player just like him or close to what he has to offer? Well, you don't replace Dustin Bufflin, most popular Winnipeg Jets since their return to Winnipeg. I don't think there's any question about that. The fans loved him. They adored the way he played. And again, you go back to what I mentioned earlier, that uh, so early in that first preseason game, uh, he became uh, a fan favorite, uh, just by what, what he did on the ice. And then you add everything else to it, the way he played the game, and, and, and that how they replace him, you don't. Uh, I mean, you certainly will. It clears off some cap space. Again, some of that is going to depend on what the salary cap is next year so it does enable them to certainly search the market and see what is out there that they can that they can uh, add to their defensive core here because that was the big change with this team over the past uh, past summer uh, was the on the back end Tyler Myers Jacob Truba Ben Sherratt they departed and, and you know you mentioned it how important Dustin Bufflin was going to be to this team coming into this season and and then to have what happened with him at training camp was certainly a bit of a shock and and then to not be able to do anything financially because you weren't sure where this was going to play itself out uh the players association had filed a grievance in the fact that the jets had suspended dustin bufflin and weren't paying him and when you talk about the delay that's where it got delayed once it got out of the hands 
of the Winnipeg Jets and out of the hands of Dustin Bufflin. It went into the hands of the Players Association and the National Hockey League. And then it just got tied up in, in the things that, that uh, the loose ends that had to get tied up before this thing came to fruition. So uh, that's probably what delayed it. But, uh, you know, as far as on the ice is concerned, at least now they know going forward what the what they have for salary cap room. And, and uh, you know, will Dustin Bufflin play again? I don't know. Uh, I can see somewhere in the next season, the 2021 season, as the deadlines approach, I, I can see some teams certainly circling back to Dustin Bufflin. It may even happen, you know, this this off season where some teams will circle back on Dustin Bufflin and say, "Hey, are you interested in playing?" I don't think anything will happen. If it does, it might be right before the trade deadline or the last possible day that he can sign uh, next season, where some team might convince him for another Stanley Cup run. But I mean, he's a big outdoorsman, as we know. He loves to hunt, loves to fish. Uh, there's some pretty good uh, opportunities on fishing networks, you know, television from that standpoint, where there will be some opportunities, I think, for Dustin Bufflin. So that's uh, maybe where we see him next. But uh, on the ice, off the ice, you, do, you don't replace a player like Dustin Bufflin. But uh, at least they know where they stand going forward financially, and, and they can explore what's out there to try and solidify that back end a little bit. A chapter for Dennis Bayek in the NHL began in 1995 as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. He had the call on CFRN. The Winnipeg Jets, the rebirth of Winnipeg in the 2011-2012 season. Dennis has had the call of every single game on TSN. Dennis, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to chat with me today. I really do appreciate it. It was uh, really enjoyable to go back to the history books and uh, learn about the book you're going to have on a, a very historic broadcasting career and some of the other things you've enjoyed in your life. Hopefully the uh, weather starts to sharpen up here very soon and we can uh, get on the golf course and uh, make some birdies. Well, thank you. I agree with you 100%. Uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity. I know I rambled probably a little bit more, but uh, again, to everyone uh, you know, back in that area that, uh, that will always be very special to me. Stay safe, and, and let's get back to some normalcy here as soon as possible. Once again, that was the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, Dennis Bayak, right here on the First Row Sports Show. I am Darnell Duff, your host. Make sure you tune in every single week on SoundCloud. I'm also on Spotify and Google Podcasts podcast for the first row sports show just a, a fun time to you know get to know some people around the sporting world whether they be professionals olympic athletes as we were just joined by skylar park voices of professional hockey teams dennis back i also like to chat with amateurs who you know maybe haven't gotten that big uh, chance yet to show what they have but they continue to work hard i love to chat with those guys and get their story ladies or gentlemen get their stories on how they plan on continuing to do their thing as Skyler said, just keep on keeping on right now during a time of the COVID-19 pandemic. You have to continue to work hard. So make sure you continue to tune in to the First Row Sports Show as I will reveal stories of some of what will be very, very bright futures for many athletes across Canada coming up in the future. You can also stay tuned for an interview with Connor Bedard coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Bedard became the first player in Western Hockey League history, yes, history, to be granted exceptional status. He was drafted by the Regina Pats first overall in the Bantam draft. The funny story about this, actually, before he was even drafted, he already signed his first WHL status player contract. So Connor Bedard, exceptional player, and of course, he's been granted exceptional status. So Connor Bedard, no doubt, a very bright future. So we'll be chatting with him in a couple of weeks' time. Next week, however, we're chatting with a writer and one of my good friends for the Winnipeg Free Press, Taylor Allen. We've hosted shows in the past. This time, I'm going to be asking him some questions on how his life has changed with this. He's a big sports time writer, a big sports fan, and with sports not really going on, of course, I still have things to talk about. So we're going to chat with him about uh, how his day-to-day -day life has changed and how he just plans on moving on forward. So that's Taylor Allen. He's coming up next week on the First Row Sports Show. You've been listening to it right here on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Make sure you tune in every single week for a new episode with a bright and shining star. No doubt about that. On this episode, we had Skylar Park and Dennis Bayak. Stay tuned next week for Taylor Allen and more. This has been the First Row Sports Show. Thank you so much for tuning in we'll talk to you very soon stay safe be well and make sure everyone around you is as well 
Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the First Row Sports Show. You can catch a brand new episode every week. Remember to follow at It's the Duffy One on Twitter for regular sports updates.